this is Mr. Denning's Bedtime Stories. All right, we're gonna continue with Magic Tree House World at War 1944. We're on chapter eight. We know that um, the, the Jack and Annie got on, are getting on the train, trying to get to where they need to be to save, to be the heroes. Here we go. Chapter eight, the train. With the arrival of the Nazis, the atmosphere in the square changed. Vendors fell silent. Shoppers lowered their heads and grabbed the hands of their children. We should catch that train as soon as possible, said Jack. You bet, said Annie. Look normal. With their hands in their pockets, Jack and Annie walked as calmly as they could from the market toward the train depot. With quick steps, they crossed the street and entered the small station. Tickets, Jack said to Annie. He headed to the ticket window and placed some coin in front of the ticket window. Two for Monville, please. The ticket agent counted out some coins, then gave Jack two tickets. Thank you, said Jack. He and Annie stepped away from the window and walked out to the tracks. Jack noticed that the waiting passengers were anxious, anxiously watching a scene at the end of the station platform. Some Nazi soldiers had stopped an old man. The man had his hands in the air. He looked terrified as the soldiers checked his pockets. What are they doing, Annie asked. Don't look, said Jack. He grabbed her hand so she wouldn't hurry to the old man's aid. But he felt fury too. Why torment an old man, he wondered. He wanted to shout at the Nazi soldiers, leave us all alone. But just like the other bystanders, he was too scared to do anything. He gripped Annie's hands tighter and pulled her in the other direction. Come on. To Jack's great relief, he heard the train whistle blow. Soon the train rounded the bend, puffing steam. The crowd stepped back as the black engine chugged into the station. It let out an ear-piercing shriek and jolted to a stop. Doors slid open and people stepped out onto the platform and headed for the station. All aboard, shouted the conductor, and the waiting passengers moved toward the tracks. Jack and Annie climbed onto one of the rear cars. Where are our seats, Annie asked Jack. I don't know, he said. He looked at their tickets. It says second class. Excuse me, where are the second class seats? Annie asked an older woman with a friendly face. Follow me, the woman led them to the train corridor and stopped in front of an empty compartment. You can sit in there, she said, then continued on her way. Annie and Jack opened a glass door and stepped into a small space with four seats. Jack pulled off his field pack and sat down next to Annie near the window. I hate them, said Annie. Jack knew exactly who she meant. The whistle blew. The train jolted and began moving. Huffing and puffing, it left the depot and chugged down the tracks away from Kane. It's a short ride, said Annie. Not short enough, said Jack. Listen. Even above the roar of the train, he could hear boots stomping down the corridor near, near their compartment. Ignore them, said Annie. Got it, said Jack. Oh, Jean, look, lovely trees, Annie pointed out the window. Yes, Emmy, they are lovely, exclaimed Jack. Remember... Before he could finish, the door to the compartment slid open. Two Nazi officials stood in the doorway. Identify papers, please, one said. Jack's heart started to pound, but he turned and faked a friendly smile. Oh, yes, sure, he said. He pulled out his identity card and showed it to the official. Annie smiled and showed her card, too. The soldier looked carefully at the cards, then handed them back. Your bag now, he said to Jack, holding out his hand. My pack? Sure, said Jack. But before he could hand over his field pack, Annie snatched it away from him. Why do you want it? She asked the man, grinning. I need to look inside, said the official. 
Really, said Annie, there's nothing interesting inside. Why is she doing this, Jack wondered. He couldn't think of anything in the pack that could get him into trouble. Just lunch and Jack's pencil and notebook with all the notes torn out. Give it to me, demanded the official. Annie didn't move. Her smile had faded, replaced by a look of fear. What's wrong with her, Jack wondered. He gently pried the field pack loose from her grip. It's okay, he assured her. He can look in it. Grinning crazily, he handed the field pack over to the soldier. The Nazi unbuckled Jack's pack. He reached in and pulled out the small cloth sack that Suzette had given them. He opened it and took out two apples, a chunk of cheese, and two pieces of black bread. He handed the food to the other official. Then he reached deeper into the field pack and pulled out some papers. Jack was confused. Where did those come from? The soldier held up one of the papers. It was one of the flyers printed by Tom and Theo. Hope and courage, freedom soon. That's what it said. The soldiers put the papers back in the back pack. Then he narrowed his eyes and looked at Jack. So, you are working for the other side. What? No, said Jack. He looked at Annie. How? Sorry, Annie whispered. I wanted to help them, Tom and Theo. Stand up, the official barked at Jack. No, cried Annie, please. He didn't do anything. It was me. I did it. The Nazi official pushed Annie aside. Boy, I am placing you under arrest, he said. But just as the man reached out to grab Jack, an explosion rocked the train car. The sound of screeching brakes split the air. The train ground to a sudden stop. Jack and Annie were thrown from their seats. The soldiers fell to their hands and knees. Passengers scrambled up the corridor, screaming and yelling, What happened? What happened? Resistance! Blew up the tracks ahead! The two Nazis jumped to their feet. Ignoring Jack and Annie, they hurried away from the compartment. Jack looked out the window. A few hundred yards in front of the train, black smoke was rising in the air. Plan green, he said. Let's get out of here. He grabbed his field pack and started out of the compartment. But more soldiers were running down the corridor, shoving all the passengers aside. Annie grabbed Jack's arm. The window, she cried. Out! Climb out! Jack straddled the window edge, ledge, then swung over his leg over and dropped into the embankment below. He reached up and helped Annie drop to the ground, too. Looking down the tracks, Jack saw train workers and soldiers running toward the billowing black smoke. Sirens were screaming. Passengers were fleeing from all the cars on the train. Come on, said Jack. He and Annie ran down the embankment toward some woods near the tracks. Then they took off through the brush, weaving around mossy trees and pale spring ferns. They pushed back twigs and vines, trying to get as far away from the train as possible. Are we heading in the right direction, Jack asked, panting. Annie pulled out the compass and looked at it. Yes, southwest. Good, keep going, said Jack. They ran until they came to the edge of a road. Up the road, a bridge crossed a wide river. A sign next to the bridge said, River Orn. That's the river we want, cried Annie. Cross a river to find a cave. Cross it, said Jack. He and Annie hurried to the bridge and raced across the river. On the other side was a small restaurant. A sign on the front said, Sylvie's Bistro. Stop, stop, said Jack, gasping. Before we go any further, let's stop there, rest, and make a plan. Great, I'm dying of thirst, said Annie. They caught their breath. Then they straightened their berets, smiled fake smiles, and walked into the bistro. Inside the crowded dining room, the air smelled of coffee and cigarette smoke. Jack and Annie slipped over to the empty table and sat down. I'm so sorry, Annie said, leaning toward Jack. I didn't mean to get you in trouble. I, before she could go on, a teenage waitress brought silverware and menus to the table. 
May I help you, sir? The girl asked Jack. For a moment, Jack just stared at the dark-haired, rosy-cheeked girl. He was still in a daze, both from being arrested and from the explosion. Can we have two lemonades, please? Annie asked. The waitress nodded and left. I'm so sorry, Annie whispered again to Jack. When I went to the cellar to get our stuff, I grabbed a bunch of flyers and put them in your field pack. Why? asked Jack. Why would you do that? I thought while we were looking for Kathleen, we could do what Tom and Theo did, said Annie. You know, put up flyers when no one is looking. It seemed like a good... Okay, okay, I get it, said Jack. But we can't worry about their, about their mission. We have our own mission. He reached into his pack and pulled out the flyers. We have to get rid of these. If we don't... Jack, Annie said, looking over his shoulder. Jack turned around. The waitress was standing behind them with their lemonades. When her gaze fell on the papers in Jack's hand, her eyes widened. Jack clutched the batch of papers to his chest. Without a word, the waitress put down their drinks and hurried to the kitchen to the back, in the back of the bistro. We have to go, said Jack. She saw the flyers. He jammed the papers back into his pack. Wait, said Annie. We can't, said Jack. She's got to tell someone like her boss. They'll call the police. Before Jack and Annie could stand up to leave, the waitress burst out of the kitchen with a tall, stern-looking woman wearing an apron. The woman's heavy shoes clomped on the wooden floor as she headed over to Jack and Annie. My mother wants to talk to you, the waitress said. Oh no, thought Jack. The woman pulled up a chair and sat down. She leaned forward. Tell me, please, she whispered. How do you know Tom and Theo? And that's the end of chapter eight. Next time, chapter nine, Code Breakers. I hope you enjoyed this chapter. Have a good night.